start, we, we got given um, no brief at all to do uh, a podcast for LGBT History Month. And uh, our job now is to make the person who commissioned us to do this really, really, really regret ever asking Oscar and Emily to do a podcast without a clear brief, because we're just going to go where this takes us. So good morning, Oscar. How are you? Hello, I'm good. I'm really looking forward to what I imagine is going to be an absolute whirlwind of a conversation, which is going to take us across the world, across history, and probably make the marketing team regret ever asking us to do this. Well, I hadn't planned that, but now you've said it, I'll, I'll recalibrate what I was thinking and, uh, <laughs> and we'll, we'll go in that direction. In fact, in, in true form, and, and those people who know me, I, I literally at about 11.30 last night scribbled some stuff in my notebook. Uh, for today. Uh, and the great part is, because I scribbled it late at night, my handwriting is dreadful. Um, I might even have trouble reading what I wrote down last night. So who knows where we'll go. Um, so um, first first contestant, Oscar, tell us tell us your name and where'd you come from? Ah, hello. Yeah. Would you believe it? My name is Oscar. Uh, I They then pronouns Chief Executive Officer at Blossom LGBT and of course, Director at Trans in the City. Um, and right now I'm in a very soggy Surrey. How about ah. you, host? <laughs> I, I, I'm Emily Hamilton. I'm um, uh, in my day job. I'm vice president for FTSE 100 business. And in my one of my gay jobs, I am a an executive director at Trans in the City, um, notable uh, bon, bon vivant and um, yeah, really ill prepared host for these sorts of things. So uh, lovely to have you here. Uh, I am really fighting the urge to say Oscar ka, 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 as we go through, <laughs> um, and and I haven't fought the urge. I've just done it. So uh, let's talk about LGBT History Month. So we're we're you know really coming to towards the end of LGBT History Month now. Um, you've already told me that you're absolutely knackered from uh, from over committing yourself as always, um, always. Oscar. And uh, you know there's a there's a lesson out there, kids. Don't overcommit yourself when you're doing activism work. Um, to that path lies ruin. Um, so tell me a little bit about why LGBT History Month or history in general, why is it important to you? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's always been something of real personal interest. And I think that it, it probably links very closely and I'm already in pompous territory here, but with my, my personal ethics um, and something that I'm so keen on is doing lots of work around race equity, justice, and I think LGBT History Month presents such a fantastic opportunity for us to kind of remove a lot of the myths, which is queer history is white gay men doing white gay men things, because we know that it's it's really not. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think for me, that's why I've really engaged in it this year, um, as well as I just love any opportunity to to get into some dusty archives and sort of throw throw around <laughs> some folders. We 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 came here for history. We're we're coming away with knowledge of Oscar's kinks, which um, which wasn't which wasn't on my bingo card. Um, so um, so folks, if you're if you're looking to woo Oscar, dusty archives is the place to try and do it. <laughs> but you have uh, a real interest in history as well, right? Yeah, I've always, I, I mean, history was my best subject at school. Um, you know, I, I liked, I liked learning about it, and I, I kind of didn't know why. I mean, it wasn't that the teacher was particularly special or anything like that, and, and I think it's just something I saw. I was, I was in Washington a few years ago, 
um, Washington DC and I, I was walking past the National Archives and outside the National Archives they got some sculptures on the on the pediments and, and and there's quite a lot of very wise words written on on sculptures in in Washington which which I wish some of their politicians would read a little bit more often um, and and there's a there's an inscription on one of them that says what's past is prologue which actually comes from uh, Shakespeare's The Tempest um, and actually, that's probably what it's all about. If you want to know what's going on today, you've got to understand what came before, because that is the prologue to today. Um, and, and, and there is a danger. And you said, you know, you're going to be really pompous. And then you weren't really pompous. And then I started being really pompous. <laughs> and one of the things I do worry about with LGBT History Month is is the sort of earnestness and and, and some of the pomposity of, uh, of some of the things I've seen, you know, over the last few years. There's sort of people, yes, well, you, you didn't know about... Uh, you know, this person in history, and, and you must know about this person. If you don't know about this person in history, then who are you? What is wrong with you? You must make more effort. And and I think there's a real danger that, that we turn history into something which turns so many people off it when they were kids, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, because it doesn't have any sort of resonance to, to where they are today. And, you know, history, I think, histori historically, history, historically, there's a bit of tautology there. <laughs> I think my it, day. I went back in my well, yeah, my yeah, my day was was longer, further back than your day, I'm afraid to say. Um, but back in my day, they, they, you know, before my day, let's before my day, there was one. Before my day, Hoyle. <laughs> look, we're not starting this. The the, the the trans elders aren't on this call. I'm not a trans elder yet. Um, but before you know, before before history started to be taken uh, a little less seriously, it was seen as just dates. It was dates. It was. Mm -hmm. You know, you were good at history if you could say, it was in 1066, the Norman invasion uh, took over England and Harold got shot in the eye and, you know, all of that. and that is just so uninteresting. And I think there's just so much richness in our queer history that just doesn't get talked about. And um, and yeah, I, I think having an LGBT History Month is 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 crucial. I think having a an LGBT History Month, which talks about all of our stories, and you said it just then, white cis gay men's history is so important but it isn't yeah. the whole story it's a chapter in a bigger book and i think talking about all of our experiences is is really crucial so i know a, a little bird well, it's not a little bird anymore it's it's like a big black x and all that sort of rubbish <laughs> you know. but anyway someone told me that you you oscar have been traveling to the ancient world and uh, and that, yeah. that that you have taken a big interest in 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 our ancestors who wore bedsheets to walk the streets. So to tell us more about what what is it about ancients that you found interesting and and has drawn your attention? Yeah, so I think that there's a couple of reasons why I found um, the ancient history so interesting. I think the the first of which is that it's actually relatively unapologetic. Um, you know, we see this trend essentially through through um, colonial acts, so the Buggery Act and um, gross and gross. Oh gosh, my words aren't coming out. Gross indecency acts, things like that, have put this element of shame over queerness throughout. You know, more of modern history, whereas there wasn't that. And actually, when you look post colonial and all the way back to, to actually as far as we can currently get with research, actually queerness is celebrated and people are so open about it. So, you know, if you go back to Mesopotamia, they worshipped a trans god. 
or goddess um inanna who was also called emily yeah yeah. (laughs) um inanna also known as ishtar um was two different gods that merged in mesopotamian culture and they actually had a cult following um to the point where they're funnily enough yeah people worship outside your house still don't they (laughs) oh yeah it's too early Uh, but I love that I love the fact that it's unapologetic and that it's celebrated because that's how I feel queer identity should be because I'm personally so incredibly proud and that is one element that really drew me to ancient history the other one is just the fantastical stories that come along with it. So ancient Greeks blame the creation of trans people on alcoholism. And I know that trans people love a drink, right? But um, <laughs> but, but the proverbs go that, um, that basically trans people were made because of God who was creating body parts and kind of stockpiling. So like, you know, two boobs, five arms, throwing them all in pots. Um, as you do, you know, as we all do. Um, and then he went out and had way too much to drink and came back and put boobs on a man's body. Um, to which, you know, a very elementary version of what our understanding of transgender people are today. But what an interesting story. You know, I think that's such a fantastic origin. Maybe not, maybe a little bit offensive, but of course, actually so interesting that, you know, you're you're before common era, but you still have these these ideologies of how trans people were created. I I find yeah. it just fascinating. Maybe I should start drinking again. <laughs> you might start creating people if do, you do. do so be wanna, careful. Well, well, now, now we've now we've established I'm I'm, I'm a goddess with a cult following. Um, do you want to hear an do you want to hear an ancient ancient joke? Yes. Ancient joke? So you you know they had dry cleaning in in ancient Greece. You, you know that it was it was invented in ancient Greece, right? The dry cleaning process. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, but anyway, it works for the joke. So, <laughs> ancient Greek man walks into uh, the dry cleaners and he sees the guy behind the desk and he says, "Euripides." And uh, the uh, guy behind the desk takes the garment off him and he says, "Eumenides." Oh, babes! Oh, come on, <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one, and and, and I, well, anyway, look, you, you know, you're you're a, you're a hard you're a hard audience. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's I I love the fact that you've you've sort of really dived into the the ancients, and and you know, if you want dust, that's the place to go. You know, you, oh, yeah. you, you your dust kink must have been absolutely satisfied with with having a rummage through the ancient world. Did you, did you find the material was was rich enough for you because? one of my concerns about ancient history is is certainly my experience is that a lot of the ancient histories were written a long time ago they are historical in and of themselves mm-hmm. did you find that there was enough of a perspective on queer ancient history or, or was it seen through that lens of you know you talked about the buggery act so what what year buggery act 15 oh god 15 it's either 1550s or 1560s but yeah 15, is... 1556 from memory but but i'll you know i i reserve the right to edit myself to say that i knew everything <laughs> but but I, I think a lot of history you know that was sort of you know as we go through the renaissance and and we start to hear more about the ancient world lots of things were seen through that prism of mm-hmm. of that world so the the disapproval the oh my goodness look at look at these terrible ancients and and they're lascivious behavior were you able to find decent histories that that actually 
explored that in a way that was more sensible? It took a very, very long time. And, and to be honest with you, to be able to find those histories, I, I had to take it out of the archives and onto the internet, which we always know the second you get onto the internet, you, you, you have to question absolutely everything that yeah. you read. Um, but I think, I, I think the nice, nicer part is that the internet brings back an intergenerational storytelling that we lost um, through things like the AIDS epidemic and criminalization mm. that actually now people do go out and really spend a lot of time finding this research. Um, and, you know, just actually just yesterday, I was talking with an academic, um, a, a fantastic researcher at the University of Surrey called Teresa P. Pilgrim, who is looking into the history of medieval texts and um, queer queer women uh, and transness, mm. and um, a lot of it now is having to make our best assumptions because the contextual parts of the writing were lost because of criminalization. So mm. it's incredibly difficult to find and say things with 100% accuracy. And it's a very difficult line to be treading because as you know, with queer activism, you're constantly having to defend that things yeah. are the truth. Whereas when we look at history, you can't, there, there is no 100% knowing for almost all of history. Um, things like, I talk, talked about a, um, a pharaoh from ancient Egypt who was um, buried with all of the decorations in the tomb of a male um, but throughout history has been remembered as a female because of mm. what they found in, in inside the mummification chamber well you know I, I don't know what we're going to say about that my assumption there is we're looking at a trans person but we don't know um, and because at the time of the discoveries of this ancient history, mm. there definitely wasn't, you know, let's just check if they're LGBT. So. Well, you're right. I mean, and, and I guess that that's something for me that, you know, I end up screaming, you know, if you watch if you watch the popular history or archaeology shows, I'm screaming. I, I remember I think it was a Time Team episode where they, they unearthed the grave mm. and <clears throat> it had stereotypically female grave goods. Yeah. And 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 I remember they sort of went off to the tent and, you know, Tony Robinson beetled off to the tent and did his usual <laughs> wafting his arms about thing. And and I remember the person saying, well, this is very puzzling to us. You know, we found the skeleton and the, the remains we found and we, you know, measured the, the femur. And, yeah, but they were buried with female grave goods. And this is really puzzling to us. I'm sat there and I'm screaming. It's not puzzling at all. No, no, it's now, really not. Now, you, you're right. We, we are we apply a sense of something but you know Occam's razor says that the simplest explanation is usually the right one if you have somebody who is buried and therefore was recognized and this is about gender you know gender is your social construct yeah. buried with female grave goods there there are I guess two possibilities either they just really liked those things and you know they were they were just also fabulously stylish and you know <laughs> you had to uh, <laughs> yeah, knew how to sort of knew how to put a face on in the morning, or they were what we would describe as trans. But there is a real reluctance among some historians, and, and egged on, I think, by a, a pretty hostile media, to deny anything. So um, uh, 
Elagabalus is a is a great example. So the, the recent row about Elagabalus, um, mm -hmm. Roman emperor. Um, we have writings, we have contemporaneous writings about Elagabalus, who <clears throat> asked to be called my lady, who said they would give all of the gold in the kingdom for the surgeon that could give them a vagina. And a museum quite rightly posits this and says, this is, you know, this is interesting. This We would probably consider this to be a trans person. And the outcry, oh, no, you can't, you can't put your lens on them. Yeah. They might have meant something else when they said, I give all my gold for a vagina or, um, you know, I, I call me my lady. They might have had some other purpose and you want to scream at these people and say, what is wrong with you? you know, again, Occam's razor, look at the simpler of the explanations. And you see it across our whole spectrum. So, you know, you'll see depictions in ancient art of lovers on vases or or in carvings or in reliefs. And and you'll see the caption, you go to the museum, you see the caption say, two friends reclining together. <laughs> Nobody knows what they are doing. And, and you look at it as a queer person, you say, I know what they're doing. I recognize what they're up to, mm -hmm. but this this reluctance almost uh, in and, and I think it's about labeling. It's so that oh we, we don't want to label them as 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 queer or 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 gay or trans as if that's something shameful, as yeah. if there's some shame attached to that. and I think I think that's that tr that's troubling for me in our interpretation of 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 history. Um, what's your what's your favorite what's the favorite you you've given a few examples. What's your favorite fact? Because history is sort of about facts and the interpretation of them. The favourite fact you have discovered recently in your in your uh, your trips to the um, to the dusty dungeon of um, <laughs> of pleasure and and history. It's it's um, oh actually I was going to make a joke that totally wasn't podcast appropriate, so we're going to skip straight over that. That that will be available um, for subscribers. In yeah, the, that's um, on the Patreon. In, yeah, in the Patreon page, yeah. <laughs> um, do you know? Actually, I think my favourite is from way way more modern. So even though ancient history is is by far um, by far my favourite, um, but it's it's to do with maybe not necessarily a fact but I, I was running a workshop recently on the history of modern day protest and what I found hilarious is how you can pretty much very easily pinpoint modern day pop culture through the history of protest signs so you look at queer protest from almost day one and the art style of the day, the feelings have all been incorporated into these protest signs. So, you know, during the Great Depression, the signs were a lot less colourful, more text focused, all the way through to like the 2010s where um, where internet culture is becoming really more obvious and you're seeing people like Bert and Ernie appearing on protest signs across the countries and I think actually whilst that takes us out of um, ancient history yeah I just think it's um I, I just think that's really cool that how when we look back at the history of our sort of um, progress as a as a community that we see a real clear interlinking with modern pop culture and how mm. I think queer identity, trans people, LGBT people have always very heavily influenced modern day media. So I think it's a really nice uh, almost intersection of the two to be able to look at. But I'd love to hear yours because I know that we have very different versions of 
what sort of things we look into yeah so so I, i'm i'm much more of a modern historian um and and I, fa I found out many years ago so i was applying for universities uh in the 90s and and i had a, a mad notion then that i might go to oxford um at, and i'll tell you this now you know completely based on the fact i was obsessed with inspector morse i loved inspector morse I thought, oh, i'll go to oxford that'd be a good place to be uh you know i'll get in a jaguar and, and cruise about and I was at a I was at a really rubbish tertiary college. Um, actually, same tertiary college Bobby went to of all of all places. So um, there must be there must have been something in the water there. Um, they're turning the the turning the uh, fox gay. <laughs> oh, that's that's it. There's you know, it'd be interesting to do a survey there. But anyway, I went I went to this this tertiary college and and actually spent you know a couple of years effectively bunking off in HMV, <laughs> listening to uh, listening to CDs on the old CD stand with the with the big sweaty slightly grubby headphones um that, that actually fills me with horror now and and i decided i'd, I'd go for the you know, having not really attended classes i've been seen as a as a bit of a, a waste of everyone's time which you know actually to be fair i probably was but i thought now i'll sit the oxford entrance exam back in those days you you sort of sat the exam and if you passed the exam you could sack off your a levels effectively because it was an unconditional offer oh, and wow. i thought this would be a great ticket you know out of actually having to put any effort into my a levels um, and I remember saying, you know, I was, and, and history was was going to be my subject, modern history. And I sort of put my hand up, said, oh, I'm going for the entrance exam. My my tutor, there was another guy in my class who said, oh, I'm doing the entrance exam, you know, next Wednesday. And, and he was, oh, you know, good luck, because my my tutor was um, was an Oxford man himself, um, who, who quite often I used to see in in one of the local pubs for quite a long time. So I think there's a there's a correlation between being an Oxford man and working in a really awful tertiary college um and the pub um anyway uh he walked around and he, and he sort of squatted down in front of me and said um dead name don't do it you'll be crucified um oh, yeah, great 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 bit of of, of historical information there man. as well yeah <laughs> um and anyway so so i, I sat the exam and I, I just did it on things that interested me um sort of around first world war period and uh, and and there um and i passed the entrance exam with with top marks across the piece and got invited for an interview so I went up to Oxford for interview. This is really completely not what we're here to talk about, but it's a funny story. Um, I went up to Oxford with my friend who also passed and, and you get invited up for a few days before Christmas to do your interviews. Um, and we turned up a pair of us in trench coats from London, like some sort of latter day cray wannabe intellectuals. Wandered about, got absolutely hammered in all of the college bars, um, spilled chilli sauce all down my trench coat from the kebab van on the turl um and before my interview i thought the best possible preparation for that was to go and have a few double brandies in the mitre oh. um and i wandered in and we started the interview and and you're probably going to see a bit of a parallel here i was very ill prepared walked in they asked me a question i started brilliantly and it just tailed off and it just went really <laughs> really wrong uh, and i didn't get in and actually probably that was a good thing i you know i went to in my view what was a much better college better course but they called it modern history but their idea of modern history started you know in the sort of 1400s um and it's like modern history for me is is the 20th century to now uh, and that's that's what really really resonates with me because i think i can see the connection it's within living memory i'm fascinated I'm fascinated with old people, which is obviously why Bobby and I get on uh, really well. Um, but but you know to to be able to talk to and touch people who've lived through great events and be able to take their perspectives, 
I find that fascinating. You know, my great grandmother, um, you know, she, I, I met her. She was born in the Victorian era. Um, you know, I was too young really to have a decent conversation. Also, she hated me. Um, but um, <clears throat> but, you know, to, to be able to touch somebody and in her case, who had lived through the last years of Victoria's reign, the Irish War of Independence, mm-hmm. the Irish Civil War, you know, to have lost a husband, you know, as a result of the First World War, a husband who fought for the British at Gallipoli, but came back and did things for the IRA, you know, to, to be able to see and touch that history for me is really, really exciting. And from a, a queer history perspective, you know, we have seen all of those strides over the last hundred years. And 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 a big thing that really got me interested in in our history was reading about the 1967 decriminalization. So okay. you know, we talk a lot about the 67 Act and the Wolfenden Report, which came before it. Um, <clears throat> And anyone who really wants, because they're they're not into the Oscar Hoyle dusty uh, fetish <laughs> scene. Um, anyone who wants to understand, you know, the environment. Actually, there's a great film called Victim that that, that I recommend every queer person watches. It was the first real mainstream film to deal with queer issues. Um, it's Dirk, Dirk Bogard, a great cast. People say 67, decriminalisation. Yeah, you know, it's the permissive society. Everything was great. It was not like that at all. If you read the the proceedings that, that led us to the 67 report, you'll see massive parallels with what we have today. The past is prologue. There was pity. There was a sense that it wasn't that people thought being gay was OK. What they thought was, well, we probably shouldn't criminalise it. We probably shouldn't be putting people in prison for... For this except we will put some people in prison because we'll leave a few bits in which you can still prosecute people for all the way up till the 1980s actually in some parts of the uk and i think for me the understanding of it's not just you know anyone can say 1967 homosexuality decriminalized way <laughs> it's not about that it's about saying actually what was what was the debate who mm-hmm. who was involved what were people saying what were their intentions what was their purpose and, and that goes right up to the present day. The arguments we're now having about the Equality Act and people's interpretation. Oh, the Equality Act. No, it, it never it never said trans people could do this. Well, actually, we know it did because we've got the history. We can go into the hand side. We can go into uh, how that was come about. And I think for me, that's where history really comes alive. Is understanding I, what were the thinking was about the events and the facts that happened so that you're in a better place to defend them. Yeah. Or knock them down and say no that's not correct and, and actually let's have reality let's have truth mm. about what we're doing you know and uh what was it indiana jones said you know, we're dealing with fact not truth if you want truth the philosophy class is down the corridor um, well i think fact and truth are really important and actually the truth comes from understanding all of the perspectives and seeing the outcomes on, on the topic of decriminalisation, there is a fascinating pro- a research project going on at the moment, also at the University of Surrey by a researcher called, called Kat Hubbard, um, looking at the history of um, aversion therapy. Mm. So, and, and she presented this incredibly interesting presentation for about 10 minutes on um, on how aversion therapy changed at the point of decriminalization so actually it wasn't that all of a sudden it was completely fine to be lgbt go ahead and like go out and and, and multiply as such although maybe bad choice of words there um but, but but then moved on to actually 
um, there are records of queer people who didn't want to be LGBTQ plus um, mm. and would check themselves in to aversion therapy. And actually therapy remained incredibly hostile for a point of history where it continued to offer aversion therapy and moved into actually pity. So they pitied yeah. LGBTQ plus people because of the choice of lifestyle um, all the way through to modern day where, where we're at today. Um, but also Kat is making a conscious point to make it really clear that actually aversion therapy happened to trans people. It happened to LGBT women um, amongst everybody else and, and it's just a fascinating research piece that um I, I think when it's published if anyone can check it out i would 100 percent agree to i feel like i should say that i'm not sponsored by the university of surrey well, I, 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 was, I was i was i was gonna make the point but you but you, but you, you you're, you're a surrey person so you know yeah um, this is where i start singing who's surrey now and, and anyway no i won't do that um, sorry not well, sorry sorry not sorry <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm recognizing we did get a bit of a brief on time and we're, we're, we're sort of galloping ahead. So, um, so I thought I would, I would throw a bit of a curveball in just to sort of close us off. So when the pandemic hit, I, I, I tried to keep our queer community at work together because we weren't able to meet up or, or talk to each other. I used to run a quiz night and I wrote over a hundred quizzes, um, during that period, which took me hours and hours and hours, but I loved doing it. And, Uh and. And the, the intention with them was that nobody would know the answers, but it would be fun because it's much more fun for me <laughs> if you don't have some sort of brain box who knows all the answers every week. Is oh yeah, I got, I got forty out of forty. I, you know, I want people not to know because actually I want them to learn. I want them to to be sparked in their interest. Or you know, lots of people said, oh, oh, that was really interesting. So there was an LGBT round. So I printed off. Great. And, and for people who aren't watching, <laughs> I'm rustling my papers. I've printed off some questions. So I'm going to fire some questions at you. Um, so are you ready? Are you ready for some questions? Mm-hmm. Okay. They're, they're sort of history based. Okay. They're, they're queer. By what name is Finnish illustrator Tuko Lakos... Hang on. Laksonen. It's only because <laughs> I can't see. I haven't got my glasses on. Tuko Laksonen, better known as. I, I couldn't tell you don't have the foggiest it's tom of finland ah. in finland okay um which gay poet was author of the poem anthem for doomed youth oh my goodness uh, shakespeare <laughs> oh okay it's wilfred owen this doesn't go very well for me only 480 years out that's fine it's okay you were close um which gay artist said that everyone will be famous for 15 minutes? I'm feeling really quite silly. Um, That's the intention. Boy George. No, Andy Warhol. <laughs> Andy Warhol. Okay. What is the common name for the third gender community in India and Pakistan? Oh, the Hijra. The Hijra, absolutely. Um, fascinating Ding. on record since the Kama Sutra. Well, actually, before, but it's featured in the Kama Sutra. It, 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 exactly, and 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 a lot of the persecution obviously came from the colonial influence of um, of the British East, the British uh, East India Company and uh, and the British Empire afterwards. Um, okay, here's, here's a pop culture one for you. Which Ooh. British gay actor was the fourth to play Q 
in the James Bond movies? Oh, I'm going to upset so many people. I've never watched James Bond. Um, so speechless. Um, do you know what? I can't even think of a single gay actor now. Ben um, Whishaw. Ben Russell Whishaw. T Davies. <laughs> uh, ben Whishaw. Ben Whishaw is the answer. Okay. What colour carnation was worn by gay men in Victorian times in their buttonhole to signify their sexuality? Pink or red? Green. Uh, Oscar Wilde wore a green uh, carnation. Oscar yes. Wilde. Oscar. Oh. Do you know, I spent my entire life being compared to him. I really should have known that. Well, yes, and, and I'm going to send you a green carnation in the post. <laughs> um, what symbol did the Nazis use to identify gay and transgender prisoners? It was a pink triangle, um, yes. which was later adopted by civil rights activists um, and even later was tattooed onto my elbow, right? Uh, uh, not, that's not my elbow. That's my shoulder. That's, right. That's <laughs> right not your elbow. That tattoo. Yes, absolutely. Re reappropriated and, and a reminder of, of where persecution can lead us to. Um, OK, what is the name for the non-binary community in Samoa? Ooh. Is it Bisu? It's the Fa'afafin. Who am I thinking of that uses the Bisu then? It could, I, there, there are a lot, again, a great example of lots and lots of gender non-conforming communities across the Pacific Islands and, mm. uh, you know, suppressed by suppressed by empire. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure where, where, where those are. Oh. See, this is the point. We're, we're, we're learning together. <laughs> I do remember that the Bisu... Uh, was a sub-community in Indonesia who were actually mm. um, severely punished under Islamic rule for um, their non-conformity to gender um, in, I think, in the late 90s. This is, this is learning for me too. So this is why I love this sort of stuff. I, um, <laughs> I will genuinely now today, I will go away and have a read and expand my knowledge. Okay, so we, we, we're doing well here. We're not doing well here, but we're doing well. We're, we're definitely not, not we're doing, doing well. Okay, so another another pop culture one. Which US TV series showed the first lesbian kiss? Um, was it the Ellen Show? No. <laughs> it was LA Law. LA Law in the eighties. It was uh, it was CJ and Abby. Uh, the first first lesbian kiss broadcast on US um, terrestrial television. Okay, here, here's one. Here, I'll go. I'll go for one in your wheelhouse here. Go for it. What connects the Greek symbol lambda with the LGBT community? Oh no! I I'm not talking to you. I've literally read about this recently, and now I've been put on the spot. Oh, no, I don't want to be offensive to the culture by trying to guess. I can't believe this. I sat there and read this. It's to do. I'll help mm. you out. It was it Thank was the you. first it was the first symbol that was universally used as a representation of the community in times where symbols had to be so. Oblique that they wouldn't draw attention, they wouldn't 
they wouldn't cause problems for people if they were used. So it was like a secret symbol to to signify the community. There we are. Okay. I have to say, I'm not going to be showing my face in any archives anytime soon. No, no, I think I, I think <laughs> I think this is really important because this is this is great. You've got two people here who love history. And it's really important to know that loving history doesn't mean that you be pompous and suggest you know everything. How do I know this stuff? I know this stuff because I read about it. And actually, by the time I got to the 50th of these, I was trawling, <laughs> trawling the Internet and my library for for information. OK, uh, who was the first openly out gay British MP? It's literally in my training. It's Chris something. It is Chris something. Ah, oh. oh no. It's, it's like the easiest surname to, to guess if you were just going to guess a vanilla surname. I was going to shout Smith. but <laughs> you, you should have shouted Smith. It's Chris Smith. Chris Smith, ah. 19, 1984. Um, what was the first country to prohibit discrimination on grounds of sexuality in its constitution of 1996? First country oh. in the world. Oh, no, no. France is the first to decriminalise, right? It was, or not decriminalise, but something along those lines. Um, I'm going to go with either Denmark or Norway. No, South Africa. Really? South Africa, the first country to put it in its constitution uh, as part of the as part of the rebirth of the nation after apartheid. Fascinating. So a great, great parallel there with big civil rights struggles where people mm. saw whole communities being uh, victimized, demonized and and killed, quite frankly, um, where the framers said, we don't want that to happen again and we don't want it to happen for any reason for anyone. So, um, you know, it just goes to show there's that intersectionality there. So after that, I, I wasn't actually keeping score. I think you, you, you I think you, you did OK. I mean, One. You know, we, we had fun. We had fun. You've got a couple. You've got a couple. It's not the winning that matters. It's, 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 you've been a lovely contestant and, um, you know, <laughs> Uh, you know, nobody nobody walks away with nothing here. Keep out of the black and into the red. There's nothing here for two in a bed. Um, and my carnation's on the wave, right? What a fantastic host! Yeah. Please, everyone, give your give Priscilla Black a round of applause. <laughs> that's that's been that's been massive fun, fun Oscar. And and you know, we need to do a few more of these. And and you know, look, his, history, kids, kids, history is fun. Mm. History is interesting. History doesn't have to mean a dust fetish. It, it really is about learning some really fascinating stuff. And who I didn't know before this call started that there was a drunk fella putting bodies together, making trans people. And that has made my day. You know, I'm, I, I don't drink myself, but I might start. I might start this afternoon. <laughs> Please don't. Um, just, don't in on, just, in honor, just, just in honour. Just in honour of the person who, who, who put us together and, and made us, made us live. <laughs> Any any last thoughts you want to share with our lovely audience, Oscar, before we before we sign off? Yeah, I, I think for me, it's it's about remembering that if you are into history, it, it's supposed to be a bit of fun to an extent. Like, you know, you can learn so much about our community, it can build your connection with the community, which can help you to feel more part of us. But actually, you should really this should be fun. And and I think that's something that we both take away from from this is that we don't know everything. No one is ever going to know everything. But actually, it can, you can really scratch the right part of your brain if you enjoy history. And, and I think that should be what people take from, yeah. from this conversation more than anything. It's just that it's okay not to know it. But if you want to learn, you, should just, you just should. And kind of ignore those almost elitist voices that say you have to know everything because that's, that's a 
total lie and there's way it too is. much to know medical safety note don't scratch your brain kids <laughs> um, so so I'll, I'll leave you with one thought is that, that history is not just about what happened before history is being made today if you look around you you will see history makers all around you and every one of us has a chance to be a history maker by standing up by doing the right thing uh, and uh, and making your voice heard because that voice will echo through the years thanks very much oscar and, thank you uh, you know let's let's do another one of these sometime soon i'd love to